0: Let me me... Histories of the last century is what happened to Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan as they attempted to fly around the world. One of the reasons that this endures is that we've never found the wreckage of their plane and what we know of what happened right before they stopped communicating and uh, what could have potentially happened to them after communication was lost is based in a lot of speculation and not a lot of hard evidence. The few leads that we've had have often disappeared very much in the same way that Earhart and Noonan did. That is to say, without a trace. But some new evidence that is being purported by the History Channel is perhaps linking her to one of the greatest conspiracy theories involving her disappearance ever, which is that she and Noonan were basically taken prisoner by the Japanese military on Marshall Islands after their plane landed there, made headlines, and actually got her trending on Twitter yesterday. But I was really interested in kind of looking at who Amelia Earhart was, like, leading up to when she became basically the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic ocean and then went on to set many other records and breaking other records and wrote many books and was basically just an all-around badass feminist so amelia didn't grow up like most of the young women of her era she and her younger sister were not groomed the way that many young women were during the late 20th century their mother gave them a lot of freedoms that most of their peers didn't have in terms of how they dressed, their education and what kind of hobbies they undertook and maybe her first taste of flight actually came in her own backyard because as legend has it she had constructed something of a roller coaster a very rickety and unsafe roller coaster, in her backyard and flew down the ramp from the top of an old tool shed. That brief moment of being airborne for the first time it seemed to inspire a yen for the sky in young Amelia Earhart. And she actually saw her first real airplane at the Iowa State Fair, but didn't think it was that interesting. Of course, she was 10 years old at the time, and it wasn't a particularly impressive model, but it would be many years before she would see another one. During that time, as she was coming of age, particularly in her early teenage years, her family kind of began to fall apart, in large part due to her father's alcoholism. After several moves, Amelia began kind of scouting out high schools in the Chicago area, where she was hoping she could finish her education. She actually was really specifically looking for a school that had a good science program. And although she did eventually settle on the Hyde Park High School, she was generally pretty unhappy there. And there's a yearbook photo of her with a caption that reads, the girl in brown who walks alone. But during this time, she'd been keeping a scrapbook of successful women that she admired, mostly those who were thriving in male-dominated fields. And when she graduated high school in 1916, she was already focused on finding some similar success for herself. During the First World War, uh, she went to Toronto and received some nursing training and was living there during the 1918 flu pandemic. And she actually became a patient herself. Her convalescence was complicated and required her to move to her sister's in Massachusetts, where she would recover for nearly a year. But she ended up with chronic sinusitis, which basically was problematic for the rest of her life and particularly so in terms of her flying ambitions. So a lot of times she would fly with like a drainage tube affixed to her nose because obviously the air pressure involved in flight was problematic for her sinuses. Amelia had planned to attend Smith but opted to go to Columbia instead but after a year she dropped out and moved to California which is where her parents had settled and it was in Long Beach that she took the plane ride that would change her life forever. So inspired was she that she worked a variety of odd jobs to help pay for flying lessons with Anita Snook, who was a pioneer female aviator who Amelia was greatly inspired by. And on May 15, 1923, Amelia Earhart became the 16th woman to be issued a pilot's license by the FAI. She moved back to the East Coast again and went on to have several sinus surgeries to varying degrees of success. She then tried to go back to Columbia and even take classes at MIT, but tuition became more than she or her family could afford. And so she opted to instead become a teacher and a social worker for a while uh, while she was living in Medford, Massachusetts in 1925. She was still actively flying during this time though and although it was kind of a hobby she was really serious about it and she actually got involved in the Boston chapter of the American Aeronautical Society of which she became the vice president and pretty soon she was out and about selling aircrafts which she'd come to know a lot about. She was also writing about aviation for many Boston newspapers and this was how she started to get noticed and pretty soon her focus was really only on flying and the rest is Well... One of history's greatest mysteries. After several record setting or breaking trips, lecture tours, and general celebrity status, she got married to a publisher named George Putnam, who had basically been part of her PR team since like day one. But she was very forthcoming about her expectations for equality within the marriage. The first and most defining of which was that she was going to keep her own name, which at the time was a pretty big deal, but it also established her not just as a pioneer in aviation, but sort of as a feminist pioneer of her era as well. So the beginning of the last flight that Amelia Earhart would ever take was actually the second attempt to fly around the world. Fred Noonan had been chosen to be her navigator because the trip would be the longest and most difficult route to be undertaken yet, and it was not something that she could conceivably do alone. Their first attempt to begin the trip was thwarted by the plane's need for repairs, and so it was the second attempt that finally got Noonan and Earhart off the ground and into the sky for their last flight. What happened from there is one of the greatest mysteries of the last century. Potential theories abound, one of which is that they just crashed somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, and although rescue and retrieval missions have for decades tried to find the wreckage, uh, they've never recovered any sign of her plane from the Pacific Ocean. Another theory is that Noonan and Earhart landed on the wrong island, so they were looking for Howland Island, and they may have landed on another Pacific Island where they basically became castaways. Now, in the 1940s, some bones and clothing were discovered on this island along with some navigational devices that certainly could have been used by aviators. These bones were going to be further examined and potentially even tested, but nothing was ever definitively identified because the specimens got lost during shipment and no one was ever able to recover them. So we'll never know if those remains belonged to Noonan or Earhart. Now the other theory, the one that is getting a lot of traction again right now because of this photograph that the History Channel is talking about, is that Noonan and Earhart ended up on the Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands and were captured because they were believed to be spies. So the conspiracy theory claims that actually after they had basically been prisoners of war for several years, they ended up being returned to the U.S. where they had to live the rest of their lives under assumed names. So the photo that is fueling this theory, the they were on the Marshall Islands basically could potentially prove that they were there, but it doesn't necessarily prove that they then came back to the U.S. and, you know, lived under aliases for the next 30 years. But many experts refute that they could have even made it to the Marshall Islands at all, given the amount of fuel in the plane and the time of her last transmission, the coordinates. Until the plane's wreckage is found, we'll never know for sure what happened. But in any case, whatever did happen to Amelia Earhart, she still remains one of the most influential figures in 21st century American history, certainly in aviation. She's one of those like classic figures in history that you learn about in school um, and who I think continues to inspire like a whole generation of young people to think that the sky is the limit.